0: Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to Byfield Parish Church. Thank you all for coming here to worship with us today. I don't know about you, uh, my alarm went off this morning and I was like, this bed is just very warm and I am very happy here. And honestly, I just wanted to stay there. And I actually I actually have to come here. You guys don't actually have to come here. No one would fire you if you just didn't show up and chose to stay in bed. So thank you uh, for making that effort to worship here with us today and get out of your nice warm beds. Uh, today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, as Joe highlighted Each year, we take a Sunday as a church to recognize the ongoing tragedy that's playing out in our country. In 2018, the most recent year for which I could locate figures, there were 619,591 induced abortions in the United States. That's according to the CDC. 2018 numbers for the Guttmacher Institute, which promotes abortion and public policy, were not yet available. In most years, those numbers are around 200,000 higher than what the CDC reports. These numbers are difficult to comprehend. Behind every digit is the story of a woman that is making a life-altering decision, I am sure no two stories are the same. There are women that are motivated by selfishness, I'm sure. There are also those who are motivated by despair. Maybe they are impoverished, or maybe the father of the child walked away from his responsibility. In many cases, a host of factors affect the final decision. I suspect that there are times when churches such as this contribute to that decision by encouraging, by creating a sense of shame in women that hold on to unplanned pregnancy. In a room this size, there is likely a woman who chose to have an abortion or a man that encouraged a girlfriend or a wife to do so. If that describes you, know that if you have sought forgiveness through Jesus Christ, then you have been forgiven. Abortion is one of the many things going on in the United States at present that constri- that contributes To the strong feeling, we live in a time of increasing darkness. You could also point to the division in our country, the crime rate, or many other trends in society. Christians in the United States exhibit a lot of pessimism about the present. Much of it is understandable. Today's passage from the book of Exodus tells the story of another time of great darkness. Babies that are being born are treated as a problem that must be dealt with. The state is involved. It is a time of great oppression. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 1 beginning in verse 8. We will read through verse 22. If you're using the Pew Bible, those verses are on page 42. They will also be projected on the screen behind me. That's Exodus 1, verses 8 through 22. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, The people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed... Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiprah, and the other Pua. When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That's a dark, dark passage. It is not unusual for followers of God to have to figure out how to live their faith. In times of darkness. It is actually the norm more than the exception. The powers of this world regularly stand in opposition to God. When it gets dark, it is tempting to believe that God, the giver of life, has vacated the scene. This is not the case. God is present on the darkest days, whatever the situation is in the world, we, we have to move forward with faith in God. When we do so, the world changes. A small amount of faith can have a huge impact in the world. God works through our faith. The darkest days are overcome through faith in God, the giver of light. The situation described in these verses is incredibly dark. The people of Israel exist in Egypt. What had initially been a good situation for them when Joseph was around has devolved over the years into a state of misery. Benjamin Franklin famously said that guests, like fish, begin to smell after three days. My family's here visiting this weekend. I actually wasn't thinking about that. They're going home today. We would love for them to stay longer. That wasn't part of the planning. Uh, The Israelites, though, the Israelites, they've been in Egypt for 400 years. They have become a stench to the Egyptians, especially the Pharaoh. He decides to deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. His plan is pretty smart for the goal of limiting the growth of the Jews. Heavy burdens and ruthless taskmasters are set over Israel By Pharaoh, they are enslaved. When this doesn't have the desired effect, Pharaoh proclaims the male children of the Jews should be killed. While these strategies to suppress the Jews seem pretty foolproof, they they backfire. Instead of the number of Israelites decreasing, it explodes. Verse 12 says, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. For some reason, Pharaoh's strategy isn't working. In this growth, the reader is supposed to see God's invisible hand at work. We talked about this last week. God had made a promise to Abraham. He is keeping it even in these dreadful circumstances. The darkness of Israel in Egypt is an encouragement to the church today as we exist in a spiritual Egypt. It is true the world we live in is being enveloped by darkness evidence that things are not good is not hard to locate. If you look at national surveys, the number of people that identify themselves as Christians here in the United States is dropping. Those who hold biblical beliefs, as most of you in this room do, are considered by many to be bigots. There's a A podcast I listen to. It's a sports podcast. But at the end of each episode, the host, who's who's not a Christian, does these life advice segments. People submit questions. And I am continually just fascinated and appalled by the questions people submit to him. Questions about mortgages and relationships and family dynamics. And it's really stunning to hear what people are dealing with In their lives. As is always the case when the world is dark, those that are victimized the most are the weak, for they lack the power to defend themselves. Pharaoh picked on slaves and their babies. In our world, the easy targets are those without wealth, the unborn, refugees, and others. While the darkness of our present experience may be deepening, it is important for us to recognize things are not as bad as they were in Egypt. Nobody is forcibly killing our unborn children. The Israelites are dealing with a Holocaust level of evil. There are no other nations that are going to come riding into Egypt to disrupt this program of genocide that is taking place. As far as the Jews in Egypt are concerned, there may as well not be a world outside of Egypt. They can't just move. They are powerless and they are stuck. You actually hear intelligent people today argue that life is worse than it has ever been here in the United States. While I have a lot of concerns about the present and the future, things are not the worst they have ever been. On April 6th and 7th, 1862, at the Battle of Shiloh, two American armies fought each other. Union casualties were 13,047. That's 1,754 killed, 8,408 wounded, and 2,885 missing. Confederate casualties were 10,699, 1,728 killed, 8,012 wounded, and 959 missing or captured. At the height of the Great Depression in 1933, 24.9% of the nation's total workforce, over 12 million people, were unemployed. For those who did have jobs, their wages fell 42.5% between 1929 and 1933. In no way do I want to minimize how bad things are now. In 2022, we have plenty of reasons for concern. The point is, we need to have some perspective. We should question the motives of anyone who makes the argument that things are the worst they have ever been. Often, their chicken little assessments are actually just a ploy to gain power for themselves. Instead of reversing the darkness, they are perpetuating it. The thing is, Even if the world gets as dark as it was for the Jews in Egypt, this will not have the outcome that many in the world would expect. You have probably heard it said that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. This is because at times when the church has entered periods of darkness, it has often come out the other side thriving. North Korea is the country in the world today where Christians are most persecuted. It is estimated that there is between eighty and 100,000 Christians in North Korean internment camps. That's all they did. While numbers are impossible to come by, according to defectors, the church in North Korea is growing. Just as Israel grew during the time of its oppression in Egypt, so the church can grow during its own dark night. This is not something I hope for, but if our world continues to darken, the church is not lost. Jesus will sustain his church in the future, just as Israel was sustained by God in the past. Even in the darkest of times, God is still present. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, behaves as if this was not the case. He genuinely genuinely believes that his power is all that matters. At this point, he doesn't defy God so much as he just disregards him. His words reflect a clear sense of how the world works. God is not part of his calculus. This means he can do whatever he has the power to accomplish. In the religion of Egypt, he is one of the gods. Pharaoh has nearly unlimited power. We no longer have Pharaohs in our world. We have plenty of people that decide how to live with no regard for God. Our world is full of people that have no higher God than themselves. Their only limitation is what they have the power to accomplish. The belief that might makes right in the world is a significant contributor to the growth of darkness. Such a belief ignores the pervasive influence of sin. The result is that sin goes unchecked until those with power lose it. God has not abdicated his throne. He is the basis For order in this world, whether or not that truth is recognized at a given time and place. There are times where he may not clearly exert his authority. Many people live with the illusion they have no higher master. This doesn't mean God isn't in charge. All it means is that for whatever reason, at a certain moment in time, he is choosing to be more hands-off. Whenever God chooses, he will make it clear to those who deny any power above themselves how ephemeral their might is. God will throw down any who refuse to recognize he is the ultimate power. The more power a person has that denies God, the harder they will fall. Pharaoh is in for a huge fall. Today's verses contrast Pharaoh with Shipra and Pua, two Hebrew midwives who recognize God's presence. Whereas Pharaoh had immense power, the midwives had almost none. They could not call on armies. They could not claim to be a god. Unlike Pharaoh, they did fear the Lord. This meant that they knew they couldn't just do whatever they wanted to do. They couldn't do what is convenient for them. I'm sure there was a part of them that wanted to do what Pharaoh commanded. But they refused. Their fear of the Lord was greater than their fear of Pharaoh. Again, this doesn't mean that they didn't fear Pharaoh. By refusing to do what they were told, they were putting their lives at risk. The Pharaoh that was telling them to kill babies would have no reservations about knocking off a couple of lying midwives that refused to follow orders. The extraordinary faith of these women in the midst of darkness is on par with the faith exhibited in any story in the Bible. Little evidence exists in their experience that God is more powerful than Pharaoh. Their actions show their faith that God is still in control despite the shadow of darkness they live in. And this this is the beautiful thing about this story. God begins the process of taking down the evil Pharaoh in all his power through the simple faith of Shipra and Pua, two powerless women. We want God to show up in big, miraculous ways. Sometimes he does that. Throughout the book of Exodus, we will see God make his presence obvious again and again. He will unleash plagues on Egypt. He will meet with Moses on the mountain in a cloud of glory. In our own periods of darkness, we hope that God will show up miraculously. God physically manifesting himself. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. Maybe some national event that could only be divinely explained would would push back the darkness. We must recognize that God showing up miraculously is more the exception than the norm. The whole book of Exodus covers a time span of slightly over 100 years. For the first 80 of those years, God didn't act in ways that any observer at the time would have noticed. The first chapters record Moses' birth and early life, but God doesn't really start to show up miraculously until appearing before Moses when he was about 80 years old. There were whole decades in centuries where God's presence was not obvious. During that time, the people of Israel struggled to live in a foreign land. Their lives got worse and worse. It is common for God's presence in dark times to be manifest through the actions of a faithful remnant of people. While it was not clear at the time when it was happening, Shipra and Pua made an important contribution to overcoming the darkness. They did so by refusing to give in to it. Through their brave refusal to do what Pharaoh commanded, Jewish boys were born. One of those boys was named Moses. When he grows up, God empowers him to go head-to-head with the next Pharaoh to rule, who is just as bad as the current one. That Pharaoh comes out on the losing end of this battle. When people do their very small part in faith, God does his very big part. Jesus says those with the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. This story illustrates what the faith of a mustard seed looks like in action. In one respect, refusing to participate in the murder of babies is not a high bar. At the same time, the little bit of faith that was required of these midwives felt really significant to them. They were putting their lives on the line. We exist in a time where the darkness seems to be encroaching. If we want to push back on the darkness, we must act in faith. This may mean doing something that feels scary for us. It may mean speaking up in class, reaching out to a neighbor, or going against the powers that be. God works in big ways through small amounts of faith. Faith is not a denial of how bad things are. It is an acknowledgment that however bad things are, God is bigger. Pharaoh thought there was no power greater than him. He thought he could do whatever he wanted. There was plenty of evidence for this position. People treated him like a god. He may, he may have even actually believed the lie that he was one. Pharaoh was certainly very powerful. Compared to God, He was nothing. God could crush him any time he chose to and God chose to work as he so often does through the faith of people that lack worldly power. Sometimes it almost seems like God takes satisfaction in increasing the degree of difficulty. More than that, he wants us to be a part of what he is doing in the world. Shipra and Puah, the Hebrew midwives, had a small amount of faith. God used their small amount of faith to roll back the darkness. He would like to work through the church at present... In the same way, for us to be a part of what God is doing to overcome the darkness, we need only exhibit the faith of a mustard seed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, to varying extents, we feel oppressed by this world at different times. For some, it may be... uh, situation at work, or a family situation, or a financial situation, Lord, or um, things going on at a national level, things going on at a state level, there's a lot of variety of reasons for angst, Lord. And we, we pray that as we do exist in this world, that so often falls short and so often is disappointing and and those disappointments cause us concern. Lord, we pray that we would look to you, that we would recognize that through Jesus Christ, this world has been overcome and that we would move forward in our faith in whatever small ways you have called us to be faithful. I ask all these things,